ശ്രവണം മനനം നിധിധ്യാസനം ലെസൺ റിഫ്ലക്ട് ആൻഡ് അബ്സോർബ് ഡിയർ ലിസ്ണേഴ്സ് സായിറാം ആൻഡ് വെൽക്കം ടു അവർ റേഡിയോ സീരീസ് ഇൻ വിച്ച് എ ഡിവൈൻ ഡിസ്കോഴ്സ് ബൈ ഭഗവാൻ ഇസ് പ്ലേഡ് ഇൻ സ്മോൾ പാർട്സ് ആൻഡ് ഫോളോയിങ് ഈച്ച് പാർട്ട് എ ഷോർട്ട് ഡിസ്കഷൻ ഇസ് അണ്ടർടേക്കൺ ടു റിഫ്ലക്ട് ഓൺ ദ മെസ്സേജ് This is a part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem from Radio Sai and Hari Shankar from Sri Satya Sai Central Trust every Thursday at 7:30 p.m. only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. Today's episode was first broadcast live on 21st July 2016. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of summer course in Indian culture and spirituality 1991 have a listen please listeners we welcome you to this week's episode of shravanam mannam nidhyasanam so always this is prem from team radio sai and with me is brother hari from the shri satya sai central trust and we are here to continue with our study of swami's discourses which were given as part of the 1991 summer course series i think it's a good idea to go back a little bit and do a little bit of summary of the entire discourse here in the second half of the discourse I wonder if we'll be able to complete it today but even otherwise I think it would be a good thing to go back to the entire discourse and see uh, what Swami has been telling because uh, as we go through it we'll realize that it's beautiful to see the flow and the way Swami is building up the theme from where we've started but before that I offer most humble pranams on behalf of all of you at Swami's lotus feet and I invite brother Hari to join all of us Saram Hari Saram Prem as i was saying that going through the discourse it really shows how beautifully swami is building the theme and uh, kind of introducing new concepts hmm. there's always that merit of playing a small clip and going through it but when we go through the whole discourse or a good chunk of the discourse yes. gives a very beautiful overview of the theme too so going back to how swami began this discourse this concept which swami started off with by talking of the three case if you could put it that way the karnam karanam and the karta so he says where karnam are the instruments or the senses karanam is the cause for doing anything or whatever we choose to do and karta is the one who is the doer and uh, in that part swami goes on to say that the main karanam or the main reason for whatever we do is the desire which drives us and uh, then swami goes on to say that all of it lies in the way you orient your desire you know right now he says that the desire which is driving the whole thing the karanam or the cause which is driving your whole life is sense fulfillment or to you know self aggrandizement in whatever form but if we can turn this desire the same very cause to self exploration to know our own self and uh, swami says to understand the karanam and who is the real doer swami says that's the beginning of the whole journey then from there of course swami uh, 
goes to the point where he talks of how the mind is illumined by the brahman and the mind is the one which is the actual uh, processor behind the senses the senses are merely like windows but hmm. this is the thing which is really driving the understanding behind the senses and then swami goes on to say that the real doer is the brahman and swami gives the example of the sun illuminating the moon and the moon bringing light to the earth right. but the sun is self luminescent and uh, that's how the brahman too is self luminescent then of course that point where swami speaks about uh, looking at the senses and asking the question of what is driving them you know i am seeing i am hearing hmm. but what is enabling me to see what is enabling me to uh, hear right. and then seeing the difference between the seen and the seer right and uh, i think the the concept of drigdrishya uh, viveka as we were hmm. saying that how you go layer by layer behind and you come to the point where the intellect is being seen by the sakshi or the brahman and that is the ultimate right because that was a the theoretical part <clears throat> then we had that story which is part of the kinopanishad where uh, i think uh, brahma comes in the form of a brahmin and he gives out a blade of grass and mm. asks the gods led by lord indra to do anything with that grass either to burn it or to blow it away or to wet it and none of them are able to do it and that entire story later sami says that the goddess uma comes and and she says that you you're blinded by your ego and you could not recognize the presence of brahman so i have come and sami says that a uh, woman who is a representation of desires so she comes to teach man to take that journey beyond uh, desires to the brahman till that point sami says that what is being driven by the brahman will not have the ability to know the brahman hmm. and uh, sami gives the beautiful examples of you know when you go into a store room you can find all the other objects but you can't find yourself yes, because okay. the, the point of searching is different and sami says that your these karnams or these instruments are not equipped with the ability to know the subtler brahman then sami goes on to say the only way you can uh, learn about it or know about it is through devotion hmm. so that's why sami brings in the angle of love and uh sami says that you know that supplication that surrender is what will actually lead you to understanding that because no amount of effort will actually take you there no amount of uh, intellectual uh, reasoning can get you there because as sami says you know that uh, brahman is beyond the speech beyond the ken of reasoning i think that's the point we we stopped in did we no like uh, after that uh, swami actually begins to uh, instruct the students so as the context of course this entire discourse is being delivered to students at the right. summer course so he begins to instruct the uh, students mm. as to what is the right way in which to use these senses right there's a turning point in the entire discourse where swami begins to speak about love as right. about devotion to the lord so till then it is almost like an abstract uh, mm. discussion of the kenopanishad and what it is speaking about so of course this segment 2 is from the kenopanishad where he begins to speak about the right use of the senses and swami mm. sings that uh, one small ditty right one small uh, right, right song in this uh, right. context right and there's another point which i missed out mm. in between before he comes to the uh, the exploration or getting into the inquiry swami says you know that mm. uh, why are we not doing this or why are we not able to succeed in this yeah. what are the three mistakes which we do swami says that in different parts of the discourse where he says first of all you lack the confidence mm. 
and and that's really interesting because on one hand you're told that it's not possible with the senses mm. but at the same time you're saying that don't give up don't yeah. lose hope that it's not possible you know have the confidence as, as we said a uh, couple of discourses back swami makes that point where men like you have achieved that state before mm. individuals who are very much like you have taken themselves to the point where they can know and realize the truth so have that confidence that you're no less than them and you can achieve it yourself that confidence is one and the other thing which ami said was you know look you're allowing your mind to follow the senses right hierarchy is not being maintained right the mind is meant to use the senses yeah. to feel its way around yeah. rather than being uh, dragged by the senses uh, so because swami also makes a point that the uh, direction in which you are looking is flawed fundamentally flawed exactly because the senses are always uh, perceiving the outer world right, right? whereas uh, where the treasures are actually present are in the inner world right, right? so right. and uh, just before swami comes to the point where he talks about love being the mm. best tool mm. he says that the other flaw which we do because mm. of which we are not able to realize is too much reliance on our own physical and mental strength right and our wealth and ego yeah. Yeah. it's very beautiful swami is talking about confidence as the first point mm. and then swami is saying that don't uh, build your confidence on your physical ability yeah. or mental ability or the wealth or the ego yeah and uh, i think in most of swami's discourses or any understanding of swami's philosophy i think this is a primary thing which we keep in front of us mm-hmm. that whatever you're searching for yeah whatever you are trying mm-hmm. to uh, learn also is yeah. actually inside you right like you know even when you're talking about devotion and perfection and devotion or mm-hmm. if you're talking about uh, righteousness mm. you know the the five human qualities which swami says satya dharma shanti prema it all starts with swami saying that all of these in in their perfect nature is within you mm. and it's a process of unlearning actually right so it, it's one hand swami saying that have the confidence because everything is inside you mm. but don't base your confidence on your physical might and your mental abilities yeah. or wealth or ego because that uh, in <clears throat> many discourses where swami would say that that is not yours yeah you know yeah. though you are trying to say that i'm confident because i've earned so much that's never yours place your confidence on what is really yours which is within you actually almost the theme of the discourse uh, is this or the theme of the kenopanishad is like not to base your sense of identity your sense of as you said self confidence or self esteem but essentially your sense of identity let it not get attached to anything that is ephemeral right like even in a worldly sense like supposing my confidence is based on my intelligence and at some point of time i meet somebody is more intelligent than i am right. which in this world is like totally possible right right mm-hmm. or if if it's based on some skill of yours mm-hmm. almost always you're going to find somebody who is better than you right. and that destroys especially for you know the i think it's a very important uh, uh, lesson for students to carry right, right. that mm-hmm. you cannot base it on something like this and so then it becomes a conundrum on what do i base my confidence on right it's something non intuitive for us mm. we derive our sense of self esteem from our intellect mm. from mm. our talents from our skills or our achievements now if swami is asking us to set all these aside then on what is this self confidence based that's a fact <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> once we were having a discussion on the difference between uh self respect and ego hmm. you know where do you draw the line and how do you differentiate between the two because it lightly spoken about both sound very similar very difficult to differentiate 
one of the things which we came up with whether it really is a differentiating factor maybe we'll have to think about that but one thing what we thought is if self respect is what is driving your pride right. or you know your your guarding yourself is based out of self respect you will have the same amount of respect for the person in front of you mm, mm. but ego is not like that you know as you're saying when you place your ego on your achievements attainments or your intellectual abilities there is always that comparison mm. you're always telling that i'm more intelligent than you or you know i'm uh, more uh, uh, stronger than you there's always that comparative thing that so when when it is out of ego there will always be like you know i can show off more in front of this person i yeah. better be a little you know i'll curl my tail <laughs> here mm. in this person but when it comes up to self respect you you have the ability to look at everybody and say that i respect myself as much as i respect you for what you are yeah because there is always that leveling agent which is inside right and also you can distinguish between achievements that we reach by the root of the ego and achievements that are got by right. self respect right? right see the ego is something that can is always you know hungry mm. you can never appease it right so there is never a sense of being fulfilled you're always left feeling completely exhausted it's a you're running a race against your your own self right but when it comes to self respect it's completely an expression right the right. achievement is just an expression of who you are and you feel very complete you just look at it and it's whole and complete just the way it is right you can distinguish it you know very easily and it happens in so many things that we do right like right yeah i think the question is about uh, when you're in a state where you're becoming self defensive yeah especially when somebody is attacking you yeah. and you're trying to guard yourself right right that question of you know is is my defense coming from ego or is it coming from self respect hmm. you know that is the confusion which most of us have yeah. and uh, many occasions where i've heard uh, students sharing incidents hmm. where if you just look at the incident it will look like it's a act of arrogance right or act of uh, you know insubordination hmm. or whatever hmm. but some you would come and appreciate them and say that you know what you did was right because it did not come from ego oh. for instance apparently we were talking to an old student who was saying that a senior was trying to make him do jobs which was a little menial mm. and was you know he was asking making him do that to put him down yeah right so at one point this person you know this boy got up and said sir i think there are other people who can do this mm. you know in the hostel he said there are workers who have been you know assigned this job mm. i think you should ask them to do it mm. and he said it's not that i can't do it or i won't do it mm. but i think it's it's not my job right right and uh, that elder was very very offended mm. and he said i will go and complain to swami that you're you know mm. you're disrespectful to me i'll ensure that you you face the thing so this boy was sure that this news is going to go to swami and he's he's going to you know face it that evening and this evening this boy was a member of the bhajan group so he was sitting in the bhajan hall and that evening swami comes to him and swami says what happened this morning okay mm. so this boy felt that you know it, it's not right to defend himself mm. because let swami judge you know yeah. he was saying that i was not sure maybe i was arrogant maybe i should have been a little more patient mm. so he just kept quiet he said swami you know everything if i've done anything wrong please forgive me okay, swami said no you've not done anything wrong swami said what you did was right mm. okay and then swami said you what you did was right mm. because you did not do it from ego right as you said i think it's an individual who has to judge whether it's coming from self respect or ego mm. and i think maybe it's a different discussion altogether how yeah. do we differentiate and how do we uh, stop ourselves when it is coming from the ego right right 
right and as i said one of the ways in which you can really differentiate it is the self respect that you have will reflect in the respect that you have for the others mm-hmm. that you know that the same respect which you will give for the others is what you will expect them to give you to give right mm-hmm. then that uh, in the discourse swami goes on to speak about how you look at the body because swami was saying that most of the problem comes with the approach that we have to the human body and there's an interesting part where swami says it's valueless at the same time it's valuable mm. it's valueless because it's mrinmaya it's made of dust it is ephemeral but it is valuable because it's like the iron safe which stores in it the most precious of jewels so you give it the respect that it is due but at the same time don't uh, celebrate it as it's the you know be all and end all yes. of things mm-hmm. then uh, swami asked the question you know how long do you tend to the body how long do you take care of the body mm. so he says as long as the truth is realized and the perspective is so different in the sense like you still taking care of the body you don't stop taking care of the body but you're clear of why you're doing it you yeah. know the, the whole discourse swami is <coughs> constantly drawing our attention to that you know the cause the reason the karanam as swami said mm. it's not that we don't have a cause in what we're doing every day but the whole journey starts with tweaking that cause Right. you know the way you approach life changes when that cost changes mm. many times i i think of this you know a lot of youngsters these days the suicidal tendency is increasing right. you know when at a point when you find that there is nothing to go forward to yeah uh, you know you, that love is not forthcoming or there's nothing more to achieve right. you know in a lot of western countries that's happening you mm. know there's a saturation there yeah. is no growth mm. Yeah. left you know and they feel that you know there's no point in living mm. so i think when you're talking about a cost like this you're talking about uh, milking out your human existence and say that you know jantu nam narajan madurlabham and swami would say this that namasmarana is such an important thing I mean even if you're completely bedridden and you can't do anything else you will still consider life as precious mm. because it you know the understanding with which you can do what you can do in a human birth is so very precious right and that's why that cause is so important and swami is going on repeating that uh, as i said i think in one of the discussions we had once i was just googling and trying to find out in mm. a discourse what mm. does swami say is the purpose of life right there was mm. an entire discourse on that mm-hmm. probably in a very random sentence swami mentions the purpose of life is to go back to the source or something like that yes. but 99% of the discourse was why it's important to ask the question what's the purpose of life mm-hmm. that actually covers most of your journey right. rather than uh, right. you know finding the answer and uh, i think that's precisely where we had stopped last time that story of course and then the beautiful song which swami sang at the mm. end of it So I think shall we go to the next clip? Yeah, we'll begin and, with Swami's right. clip, and we'll discuss what Swami has to say after that. We must also understand the significance of speech. Speech is highly sacred. Jaydevur jepad, jikvi, prasakni, madhuratyetam. సత్యం హితం త్వాం పరమం వదామి ఆ వర్ణయేత మధురాచరాణి ఓ రుచి ఎరిగిన నాలుక జయదేవ సెడ్ ఓ టంగ్ హూ నోస్ టు డిస్టింగ్విష్ టేస్ట్ ఓ పవిత్రమైన నాలుక ఓ సీక్రెట్ టంగ్ దివ్యమైన వాక్కుతో కూడిన నాలుక 
ఓ టంగ్ ఆఫ్ సీక్రెట్ స్పీచ్ వాణిశ్రీని అభివృద్ధిపరిచేటువంటి నాలుక ఓ టంగ్ దట్ ఎన్హాన్సెస్ స్పీచ్ సరస్వతి స్వరూపమైన నాలుక ఓ టంగ్ ది ఎంబాడిమెంట్ ఆఫ్ గాడెస్ సరస్వతి నీవు ఇంత పవిత్రమైనటువంటి నాలుకవు ఇంత అభివృద్ధమైనటువంటి మాటలకు ఉపయోగపడుతున్నావు యు ఆర్ సచ్ అ సీక్రెట్ టంగ్ బట్ యు ఆర్ ఇండల్జింగ్ ఇన్ ఇంప్యూర్ టాక్ ఇది నీకు మంచిది కాదు దిస్ ఇస్ నాట్ గుడ్ ఫర్ యు దీని పాప పరిహార నిమిత్తమై గోవింద దామోదర మాధవేతి అని స్మరణ చేయమని చెప్పిని బోధించింది as an atonement for these sins it was asked to chant govinda damodara madhava enta tyagamu nalukaku what a sense of sacrifice the tongue has enta gauravamu nalukaku what honor the tongue possesses enta mariyada nalukaku what respect it commands enta tyagamu nalukaku what sacrifice the tongue has enta vishalamu nalukaku what magnanimity the tongue has దీనిని చక్కగా మనం విచారించాలి వి నీడ్ టు ఎంక్వైర్ ఇన్ టు దిస్ కీన్లీ నాలుక ఒక బలమునేమైనా భుజించడానికి ప్రయత్నం చేసినప్పుడు అది పుల్లగా ఉంటుంటే ఇది జఠరాగ్నికి పంపటం న్యాయం కాదు ఈవెన్ వైల్ ట్రైంగ్ టు ఈట్ అ ఫ్రూట్ ఇఫ్ ఇట్స్ ఫౌండ్ సార్ ద టంగ్ కన్క్లూడ్స్ దట్ ఇట్ ఇస్ ఇన్ రైట్ టు సెండ్ ఇట్ టు ది జఠరాగ్ని ద డైజెస్టివ్ ఫోర్స్ ఇన్ ద స్టమక్ జఠరాగ్ని ఏది అహం వైశ్వానరో భూత్ ప్రాణినాం దేహమాసిత ప్రాణాపాన సమాయుక్త ప్రచాన్యం చతుర్విధం అహం వైశ్వానరో భూత్వ ఆ భగవంతుడు వైశ్వాన రూపంలో ఉంటున్నాడు వాట్ ఈస్ జఠరాగ్ని గాడ్ హిమ్సెల్ఫ్ ఇస్ ప్రెసెంట్ ఇన్ ద ఫార్మ్ ఆఫ్ ఫైర్ వైశ్వానర ఇన్ ద బాడీ భగవంతుడుకు నైవేద్యం చేయవలసినటువంటి ఫలం కాదు ఇది దిస్ ఫ్రూట్ ఇస్ నాట్ వర్దీ ఆఫ్ బీయింగ్ ఆఫర్డ్ టు ద లార్డ్ ఇది మధురమైనటువంటి ఫలం కాదు ఇది అని ఆ యొక్క ఫలమును ఓ భూదేవత నీవే దీన్ని సృష్టించావు నీవే దీన్ని అందుకొని భూమిపై ఉమ్మి వేస్తుంది దిస్ ఫ్రూట్ ఇస్ నాట్ స్వీట్ ఓ గాడెస్ ఆఫ్ అర్త్ యూ హ్యావ్ క్రియేటెడ్ దిస్ ఫ్రూట్ హెన్స్ యూ యాక్సెప్టెడ్ బ్యాక్ సేయింగ్ సో ఇట్స్ స్పిట్స్ ఇట్ డౌన్ అదే ఫలమే మధురంగా గిన ఉంటుంటే ఓ మధురమైనటువంటి మాధవ ఈ మధురాన్ని నీవు అనుభవించు మధురాధిపతే మధురం మధురం హ్యాడ్ ద సేమ్ ఫ్రూట్ బీన్ స్వీట్ it would have said oh sweet lord lord of all sweetness may you relish this sweetness kanuka taan ye maatramu anubhavinchadu hence it does not enjoy itself manchini bhagavantuniki istundi cheddanu prakrutiki visirivestundi it offers what is good to god and the bad is turned back to nature inta tyagam kaligenatundi ee naluka this tongue has such a quality of sacrifice ఎంత ఓపిక హౌ పేషెంట్ ఇట్ ఇస్ ఏమిటి ఆ ఓపిక వాట్ పేషెన్స్ ఇస్ ఇట్ దంతములు వంటి 36 ఇది సూటివేటువంటి అంగుల వంటి దంతములు ఉండగా దీని మధ్య లోపల మెత్తని నాలుక ఎంత చక్కగా జాగ్రత్తగా మెలుగుతుండాలి దేర్ ఆర్ 36 షార్ప్ నైఫ్ లైక్ టీత్ బట్ ఇన్ దే మిడ్స్ట్ ద సాఫ్ట్ టంగ్ మేనేజర్ సో స్కిల్ఫుల్లీ అండ్ కేర్ఫుల్లీ కనుక ఈ 36 దంతములు కేవలం ఒక సూటిగా అంబుల వలె ఉంటున్నటువంటి దాని మధ్య లోపల చాలా జాగ్రత్తగా వెలుగుతూ ఉంటుంది ద టంగ్ మూవ్ సో కేర్ఫుల్లీ ఇన్ బిట్వీన్ దీస్ 36 టీత్ దట్ ఆర్ షార్ప్ లైక్ ఆరోస్ దీని విభీషణుడు కూడా చెప్పాడు హనుమంతుని దగ్గర ద సేమ్ థింగ్ వాస్ టోల్డ్ బై విభీషణ టు హనుమాన్ టు హనుమంత ఓ హనుమాన్ ఈ రాక్షసుల వంటి ఈ దంతముల మధ్య నేను నామను స్మరించేటువంటి నాలుక వలె జీవిస్తున్నాను among these demons who are like the teeth i am existing as the tongue 
that chants the name of the Lord. If I am careless in any movement this way or that way, even for a moment, my life will be destroyed between these teeth. I am chanting the name. Help me also to have the darshan of the form before the destruction. Vibhishana thus pleaded with Hanuman. Then Hanuman replied, O Vibhishana, O Vibhishana, you have compared yourself to the tongue and the demons to the teeth. It is true indeed. But do the teeth fall first or the tongue? The teeth falls apart first. So you need not fear. The tongue never falls. So you are like the tongue. You will reach Lord Rama's presence. These demons are like teeth that would fall shortly. So you need not worry. Saying thus, he gave him courage. So tongue is very sacred. So very tender. Not only that, it commands respect. What is this respect? This tongue does not roam from house to house like a street dog. It stays at home and does not even step out of the door, the lips. It leads its life with so much dignity. It may speak any number of words, but does it step out of the doors even once? It lives with such dignity and respect like a queen. Therefore, the tongue is given so much respect. Not only this, if a wrong is done in society, it reprimands them saying, Are you an animal? When good actions are performed, it praises saying, Oh, you are like God, Pashupati. So it is the tongue that gives respect to both praise and censure. Therefore, a tongue as sacred as this must be utilized for the sacred purposes alone. These are the words of Upanishads. How simple are these words? How sacred and sweet they are. 
The Upanishads which contain such sweet words are being forgotten by us today. That was the, uh, I think the ninth clip of that discourse and uh, as we heard through predominantly about the tongue. Because I think the previous one, uh, Swami mentioned about how the Upanishads actually describe about how the senses have to be used yes i think that's yes. the point which swami left us in the last week so as uh, i think even in the 1990 series swami spoke at good length about controlling the tongue right. and i think swami gave a very beautiful analogy then like how he said when you have uh, horses tied to the chariot mm, yeah. the horses are controlled by i think they harness through the mouth Yes, yes, yes. And Swami right. said similarly, like, you know, senses are always compared to the horses. Right. So, Swami said, so the senses are controlled mm-hmm. and managed by starting with the control of the mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In discourses when Swami speaks or even when He counsels us, I think one of the most important things Swami emphasizes is the way we speak. Right. Right. And so, uh, Swami is very famous uh, saying that you, you cannot always oblige, but you can speak obligingly. Right. right? So, it right. is like, you know that is the first window to a person right, right. Like the the mm-hmm. way the person speaks right so it it is like maybe carrying carrying a mass of thoughts in your head with you know inside the feelings are that rich but finally it is what you speak is what people you know judge you by right right, right. so th- there's a lot of uh, importance to speech right, right. in fact uh, this section like last time we were uh, speaking about this that even in the Keno Upanishad as well as uh, Swami's uh, discourse on the Keno Upanishad, mm-hmm. uh, this particular section, it deals with actually the, as we said, the right use of senses, right? right. And it, it, I think this is the basis like for uh, in the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, when they speak about Yama, Niyamadi, right. Ashtanga Yoga, like I think it has its origins here. Right, one of the, right. that the senses, they need to be conditioned and used in the right fashion. I think right. that this is the you know, starting point of... We're talking about Yama and Niyama, I think in one discourse Swami mm. says that, you know, mm. the why both are important, Yama and Niyama. Mm. Swami says, uh, you know, Yama is uh, the discipline that you keep for yourself. Right. Right. Even in the absence of anybody else in a room left alone, mm-hmm. you follow Yama. Okay. Niyama is when you go out to the society, when you interact right. with people. Okay. So he says it, it's a twin uh, discipline. Oh, okay. You have to follow this as well as that. That's why right. uh, when you talk about uh, uh, Yama, I think uh, Satya and all of those things, yes, you know, yes. self-discipline comes into picture. Yes. And Niyama mm-hmm. is about, you know, how do you interact? How do you speak lovingly? Right. right. One way of classifying Yama and Niyama is simply like, Yama is the don'ts. I'm sorry. I think it's the other way around. Yama is the one which you practice in the presence in of the others. Niyama is the uh, the lines that you draw for yourself. For yourself. Right. Okay. Okay. Because that's so why I think like when Swami speaks about don't. Yama, He speaks about those five things: hmm. Satya, Ahimsa, Asteya, yes. Aparigraha, Ahimsa, Satya, Asteya, non-stealing, Aparigraha, and Brahmacharya. Yes. So that is the disciplines when you go out into the society. Into society. Niyama is what you keep for yourself. Correct. Right. Shaucha, Santosha. Right. Shaucha means like personal cleanliness. hygiene, cleanliness. Then contentment. Right? right. So these are, so to speak, your private world. Right? And then mm-hmm. the yama is okay. That's a very good uh, distinction. Right? right. Right. And so as we see, like th- this is part of that. So Swami is placing a lot of emphasis. Like a lot of this, uh, this section is completely devoted to just the tongue and 
on the on the one hand speech and its various other functions right right so in fact as reminded you know when we were young we were how we were taught the importance of like uh, what you say why it why it is so important like why you have to have a lot of awareness about what you are saying mm-hmm. and the favorite story that our elders would speak about is the story of kumbhakarna so the kumbhakarna and uh, vibhishna and uh, ravana they so they are all meditating and they are meditating on lord shiva right so they are doing intense tapas and they are waiting for a boon from lord uh, shiva right and kumbhakarna who is already possessing enormous strength given his huge you know physical mm-hmm. body he would have been absolutely invincible with you know mm-hmm. so that had the devas worried and mm-hmm. they say that so the when they approach uh, the lords for uh, counsel they say there's only one access to mm-hmm. kumbhakarna and that is through uh, his tongue so they okay. actually pray to goddess saraswati to you know manage his tongue mm-hmm. and so when lord shiva asks for the boon he asks for the boon of like sleep right so i think there's a slip literally sounds like a tongue. slip of the tongue there are actually three four versions of it you know right, what right, he right. meant to ask and yes, uh, yes how he ended up asking yeah <laughs> so he ends up asking for so so that's how the elders would keep you know reminding us be very very critically aware what you're saying right and, right, right and even you know with swami uh, i recall one of the biggest trainings i think that i got you know in my interactions with bhagwan is to be extremely responsible for what you are saying right because uh, many a time there was something you would say and swami would ask how do you know right mm-hmm. on what basis mm-hmm. you had to be very responsible this you couldn't let a loose word in you had to be uh, very particular about appropriateness in mm-hmm. that surrounding whether it was a right thing to say mm-hmm. swami used to remind us of that tyagaraja uh, kirtana also mm-hmm. in which samayaniki tagu mata so matalaadi yeah right. so in he you know it's so much emphasis on what is a right thing to say at the right time mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so the speech is almost singularly some, mm-hmm. something that was very fact, important uh, to bhagwan you know we are working on a a kodai video where swami mm-hmm. is talking to students he is giving mm-hmm. a discourse very very beautiful and very practically you know mm. as you were saying that the importance of the way you conduct yourself in the society in a gathering mm. swami is talking about common sense mm. okay swami is saying what is common sense mm. this precisely what you were saying you know swami said what when why where and how how the ability to feature in all of these and then act accordingly mm. so he says and then swami goes on to speak about uh, what you speak okay and so beautifully swami is saying that you know there are traditionally some things you don't speak about when someone's eating right right and then swami goes on to say you know there are some people uh, he was giving example you know like in kodaikanal you sitting and eating boy comes and serves okay and uh, i think apparently it happened or swami was referring to something swami said you know while serving that person said uh, no no vomiting is coming <laughs> he said swami said how can you say that you know yeah. see Okay, you are having a problem, but all the others are sitting and eating. Yes, you don't talk of such things in that. So just say I am full or I can't eat, or excuse yourself. You know that's not the point where you describe your mm. you know your problems with your stomach or something like when others are eating. Yeah, and similarly, Swami says, you know, don't make faces when someone's serving food. Mm. You know, if you don't like it, you can just say, you know, I am done with it. Please, you know, enough. 
don't make faces when someone's serving food or while eating and if the taste is bad don't make faces or don't make comments when people are sitting with you and eating mm. because tastes are different they might be enjoying it and yes. you know mm. so simple things but you know it comes down to the point of what somi would very often describe as culture yes you know almost every summer course starts with the first <coughs> discourse having a good amount of it on the aspect of culture mm. and sanskriti sanskriti and somi would you know beautiful one liner define it as regard and respect for others is culture mm-hmm. concern for others is culture mm-hmm. so all of this if you come to do you know when you're sitting in a gathering all the while uh, being aware of the fact that the others are around and yes. i should not put others into any kind of discomfort yes. even the mildest and you are constantly thinking of that and then acting yes and that automatically becomes perfect action yes i, I remember you know swami used to instruct us uh, in this what i mentioned some time ago that uh, you cannot always oblige right. but you can always speak obligingly i think there cannot be any more important ma- management lesson than that <laughs> right many of us you know like sometimes swami would say that when you're refusing somebody like don't say no you know i cannot do it say always find a way like like a it leaves the other person at the back door and you also escape and swami used to say yukti you right. know you should have that knack yeah, and i think it's a skill that you mm-hmm. develop over time but swami used to place a lot of emphasis on this no i, I remember one of my uh, teachers in school used to say that mm-hmm. the tra- indian tradition of the past mm. uh, suppose a neighbor comes and asks you mm. uh, do you have sugar it used to be a very common thing you know mm. they would come with a small uh, container and when they urgently need something instead of buying from the uh, shop they would come to the neighbor and ask can i borrow some sugar from you mm. so if they come and ask you for say sugar and you don't have sugar mm. so they will not say that no i can't give you or no it's not there right so if some somebody comes and asks can i have some sugar they will reply with would you like to have some salt <laughs> <laughs> which means they don't have sugar, don't have sugar. right you know that is the tradition of you should not you should never say no to the person who is asking mm-hmm. yeah no yeah. even if you're in a situation where no is the answer that you have to give so they would say that that's that's the amount of politeness yeah. saying no is is very rude right I, i because i remember this you know once uh, some person a devotee had come to me and she was sharing this she was saying that she was at that time in a very difficult position in her job mm-hmm. because uh, her boss like okay. you know he was asking her to do something unethical mm-hmm. and like being swami's devotee like she just didn't want to do it right and she said you know i am afraid that uh, given you know how he how much he expects from me like mm. this performance i am pretty sure if i say no that mm. the, you know i could lose my job which is when the first thing that i remembered i said like swami always says this you cannot always oblige but you can always speak obligingly right so right. we have to and that swami plays that emphasis totally on us right. because you can pray to swami for his guidance but i think the onus is on us that if you cannot then you have to find a way to right. say it sweetly right. i remember uh, one of the devotees mentioning this general mahadevan he would very often narrate this in swami's presence mm. that after he had uh, retired from the army they had offered him a very lucrative position in the government i mm. think the uh, public services chief executive secretary to the government of mm-hmm. tamil nadu or something like that a mm-hmm. very very lucrative position which comes with all the other problems of <laughs> recommendations and all of that you know yeah, yeah. so it came to him and uh, he came running to swami because he was scared of all of this he said swami have you know in the army it's a completely different thing it's a different culture but 
this is like right into the den of politics mm. so he came to swami and swami said see look at the amount of good that you can do if you take a position like this mm. so swami said i would like you to take it and swami said i'm retiring you in swami's own beautiful uh, play of words mm. so he goes and takes up that position and from the next day problem starts mm. you know gets calls from the chief minister's office the minister's office uh, constantly saying that recommending people for positions and he being an army man he said no i, I can't do that and this is not right and this is i will not entertain such things and all that <laughs> so he gets into a lot of problems uh, with the ministers and finally he comes to swami and he says swami i don't want this job i'm getting into all kinds of problems then swami gives him the same advice hmm. he said what do i always say don't always oblige but you can always speak obligingly and swami told him see next time when they call you hmm. you say definitely sir i'll try my best hmm. Hmm. okay instead of saying no i will not do it yes. you say i'll try my best and you know he would say that you know when when you say i'll try my best my best is a line i draw right <laughs> and that is within the confines of the ethical uh, principles that i have for myself right so when you say i'll try my best you're you're not being dishonest you're being yeah. honest, honest but you're just putting it across in as swami says in a very obliging manner and then swami told him this see so finally if that person gets the job he will think that you tried your best and he got the job right if he doesn't get the job that person will think that you tried your best but still he couldn't make it right, right. and swami said you do that and really it's it's such a practical yeah philosophy mm-hmm. that's it and in in fact it also occurs to me that as much uh, emphasis swami used to place on speech he used to place perhaps more important than silence too brother satyajit who had the you know privilege of serving bhagwan for many years he was once sharing that soon after bhagwan blessed him with the opportunity of uh, staying in the residence with him and uh, looking i mean you know attending to his physical needs he was saying that uh, there was a period of almost 1000 days perhaps we were talking about 3 years 3 years right when swami almost there was no exchange of words between them and furthermore swami had very very strictly told him that you should speak to anyone in you know in the residence you should speak only when it is absolutely necessary mm-hmm. you should completely avoid any wastage of words or so to speak wastage of breath itself right and he says that that period while at the same time being very very difficult right it was also the most instructive period of his life mm. and he said the just the amount of introspection and the way the he could perceive you know all his the mind slowing down you know all his tendencies or literally the senses withdrawing in he could perceive the enormous change that this brings and in fact you know when i joined uh, here for the institute Uh, for my mba it really struck me the number of my classmates as well as the uh, you know especially the youngsters from school they used to have this discipline of maunam mm-hmm. you know the maintaining silence the entire day and i tried you know on several occasions and i was completely new to the system and believe me the amount of effort it used to take <laughs> so i cannot imagine doing that for you know 3 years that that's literally like being in a monastery with right. an absolute mm-hmm. rain of uh, mm-hmm. silence in fact once uh, swami in a discourse first he chided uh, all of us students saying that all of you are now you know completely given to talking talking irresponsibly talking far more than you need to you should all maintain silence and speak only the least amount necessary of course like many of us we wanted to please swami but again as best as we could right mm. but 
there is one student named shri krishna right and this student took this lesson completely to heart everyone began admiring him for his ability to completely rein in his speech so much so that one day like swami you know during uh, his discourse after his discourse and the student was sitting somewhere close to bhagwan swami actually called him and you know gave him his tumbler of mm-hmm. water to him mm-hmm. you know he said this is for you as a <laughs> gift like well, that's a very very rare mm-hmm. uh, blessing rare gift from uh, bhagwan and we could see afterwards swami's interactions with that student because mm-hmm. he obeyed uh, swami's instructions implicitly swami said curtail your speech he just mm-hmm. did that mm-hmm. like that swami said it and that's it that was for me a very big lesson and like i could clearly see you know how much swami places emphasis on using your speech responsibly right, right? Yeah, in fact i think as you were saying that mm-hmm. the very fact that if we are ready to take responsibility for whatever we say yeah and say that i will tell only things which i really mean yes i think 80% of our talk will reduce will reduce right like chinakatha swami beautifully used to narrate mm. of socrates a uh, person coming to socrates with uh, you know rumors about his students yes and he says does it pass the filter of four mm. you know are you sure of what it is and is it beneficial, beneficial and yeah. you know will it hurt anybody i think the four filters that he says yeah all our rumor mongering is gone then <laughs> right <laughs> if if i have to tell you only things which i'm absolutely sure of i, yeah. I think hari i will not be telling you most of the things right yeah because most of what we speak is hearsay we you know especially given the current situation of the social media yes you yes. know all of it is hearsay, hearsay. and you know mm. before you could uh, really get to the truth <clears throat> i mean uh, as as they say rumors traveled across uh, half the globe before uh, truth can, truth can put, on put on its shoes yeah. and, and i think it's much much more pronounced now the whole tradition of weighing your facts Right. right and even being very conscious of your own bias uh, while you speak so mm-hmm. that that is i think completely been abandoned uh, in fact uh, the there was moment. there was once one of the media barons was speaking about this mm-hmm. and he was telling how even the traditional print newspapers are being drawn into this yeah because you're saying that earlier they would have their sources which would come and give them the news yes and then they would send out their reporters to find out mm-hmm. you know the ground report mm-hmm. so invariably it will take about a couple of days before they get all the facts because right. uh, they have a one of the important media principles is you don't publish anything till you speak to all the parties involved right including the person who is being uh, uh, you know accused mm-hmm. in the situation so that would take about 3 days but what was happening was the other media houses which were coming in they were into this race of sensationalism of who's publishing the news first yeah. so he was saying that you know even the traditional print media is being forced to do this you know pulled into this race because if you're publishing 90 news articles like that hmm. probably 70 is true and 20 is a miss yeah. right <laughs> so i mean eventually it comes to show that you know these people are getting your news faster than you know these traditional houses yeah you want to be first of the block but mm-hmm. even if you're right. inaccurate the <laughs> apology is published in some like very remote exactly. corner of the the font size <laughs> is <laughs> so much more reduced yeah. Yeah. so i think it's a very important thing which ami is saying even uh, you know when talking when ami speaks about compares the tongue to the to a queen he yeah. says you know yeah. that's the honor the tongue maintains yes, yes. and uh, Uh, that's really a takeaway from this clip which we played where swami is saying that honor your words honor the words that you give 
right right and and i think like uh, it's also important to mention one last thing and uh, that vibhishana his right, conversation right. with hanuman where he says that he says that my life is so difficult and mm-hmm. i have to live amongst like the tongue amongst these sharp teeth sharp. and uh, hanuman saying that the teeth will fall off and the tongue <laughs> will stay i i it's a really beautiful uh, right. comparison yeah. like how swami is advising us that you should stand for the truth no matter what right right, right? because ultimately truth will triumph it's a very beautiful <laughs> allegory i've never heard that uh, right. before and of course swami speaks of the other function of the tongue also where yeah. it says that you know it decides what is good for the body yes absolutely. right you know that's again a very beautiful thing <laughs> yeah. because you're talking about the dual function of the tongue one is taste mm. and one is speech mm. and in one way you you constantly think are my words good for the people who are going to hear it yes and on the other hand you you ask yourself is what is going through the body through the tongue is good for the body yes yes right and uh, finally i think like Uh, Swami's very beautiful comparison of how the tongue, like it, it accomplishes so many stupendous tasks, but he says like you don't see it outside finally, <laughs> and he says dignity actually lies in not seeking attention while doing great works. Right. So, like, and Swami summarizes, uh, you know, elsewhere he says like do all but be nothing. And it's a beautiful uh, right. way of you know, it's a very striking way of relating this moral. Right. So keep this. <laughs> keep the tongue out situation only for emote in the <laughs> emote icons <laughs> don't do it it's never too much of emphasis when you're talking about the control of the tongue because swami is given so much importance to yes, that yes, as you're saying absolutely. when we were students the importance swami gave to silence the importance mm. swami gave to right speech right speech about respectful speech mm. you know and about what you eat in fact uh, the way swami would tell you interact when uh, many times some would say that that defines your culture that defines your learning yes you know you, uh, the more learned you are the more humble your speech will yes. be and uh, the very cardinal principle swami is to repeat often in the discourses satyam bruyat priyam, priyam bruyat na bruyat satyam apriyam like, right speak mm. what is truth speak what is pleasant but never speak the unpleasant truth right. you know, to hurt yeah. with the intention of hurting someone else nothing that that will itself be an enough exercise in discrimination to know exactly. what is yes. what is the right thing to be told yeah. and if we really do that i think our automatically our it is a sadhana it truly right? is a sadhana in itself i right. you know undergone the journey <laughs> like you know, and training <laughs> that swami gives in that respect as that sense as fortunate to have a friend who was very close to bhagwan mm-hmm. and it was through his experiences that i realized and his interaction with bhagwan mm-hmm. and luckily in some of them i used to be by his side and that it it's through them that i learned you know how important right speech is to mm-hmm. bhagwan mm-hmm. right right and in fact swami would do that you know put you in a situation spot. and put you in a spot and yeah. see if you're able to tell the right thing yes yes at that time and uh, probably uh, i don't know whether it's it was a test in that sense but i remember a beautiful interaction which happened uh, in thrai brindavan once mm. and swami asked a student to speak and he spoke about swami's omnipresence mm. right he he was talking of how his parents back in bombay were feeling swami's presence in their house mm. and how when he goes for a vacation or he is going to visit somebody how he feels swami's presence mm. so he gave this entire speech on swami's <laughs> omnipresence mm. and this boy was from the Prashantinilam campus mm. and here it was in the summer and this interaction was happening in Thrai Brindavan right 
So after the speech, he went to take Swami's blessings, and then Swami started conversing with him. And in the course of the conversation, this boy said, "Swami, please come to Prashanti Nilayam. We're missing you there." <laughs> and immediately, Swami said, "Hey, till now you spoke about Swami's omnipresence, and now you're telling me to come to Prashanti Nilayam as though I'm not there." So literally, this boy was caught. Okay, yeah. and then Swami went on to say, "See, this is what I keep telling. There's no unity of thought. Word indeed, you know, you only platform heroes, and you know all of that." Swami went on yes, to say. Yes. So this boy was quiet mm. because he was, uh, you know, he was trapped literally. Yeah. But then you know, Swami suddenly turned to him and said, "Why did you tell? No, uh, why did you tell like that? Tell yeah. me now." So this boy answered in a very beautiful one-liner, mm. which really can be framed <laughs> and put. He said, "Swami, your presence is sweeter than your omnipresence." omnipresence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was so beautifully put. <laughs> Swami just started blushing. I mm. still remember that scene so vividly, yeah. because that was the most perfect thing to say. Yes, you yes. <laughs> literally captured the emotion in, in the hearts of everybody there. Beautiful, yeah. right? So, dear listeners, we'll leave with that and do join us again next week. We'll hopefully be concluding this discourse in the next episode. We most humbly offer this effort at Swami's lotus feet. Thank you, Jai Sai Ram. You just heard an episode of our radio series, Shravanam Mananam Nidityasanam. Listen, reflect, and absorb. This is a segment that is hosted live on Thursdays at 7:30 p.m. by Prem from Radio Sai and Hari Shankar from Sri Satya Sai Central Trust, only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. Today's episode was first broadcast live on 21st July. 2016 The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian culture and spirituality 1991 To listen to the next part of this program tune in same time next week Dear listeners please do write to us and let us know what you think about this program by writing to listener@radiosai.org Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashanthi Nilayam.